here this evening uh, and to occupy the, the pulpit over here. Thank you, Pastor Matthews, for the opportunity. And um, yeah, I don't have COVID. Dad doesn't have COVID, so uh, no worries on that. But continue to pray for him, that God would strengthen him. And uh, especially, you know, just battling the weather, that uh, God would strengthen him for the future meetings, which are in the next couple of weeks. So um, just uh, I want to draw your attention to um, a passage tonight, um, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 to 18. I'll just read the passage and then we will go from there. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 to 18. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels... For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him, and again behold I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliations for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. The Lord add more blessings to the reading of his word. This evening I'd like to draw your attention um, through uh, especially uh, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Yeah, and no better option to go to the book of Hebrews. As you know, the, the background of the book of Hebrews, it is primarily written to Jewish Christians um, who have been, in a lot of ways, uh, being persecuted. And also there's a tendency to go back to the faith from which they came out. And uh, especially in that particular context, you see um, the sufficiency of Christ over and over repeated through the, all the 13 chapters of the book of Hebrews and then the author uh, which a lot of people have debate on but then we'll not address that tonight that uh, the Lord continued to help and also uh, make us understand his spirit who is the author of this particular epistle might guide us to understand who our Lord is in a much deeper and a most close manner. So as I said, it is primarily written to Jewish Christians. And if you know um, the Jewish people, there are people who are 
very deep in their theology of the Old Testament. Oftentimes, in our Christian world, that is the problem that we have. You know, we are very well-versed in God's Word, and oftentimes we like to take things out of context. And especially when things are difficult in our life, we really don't use God's Word in the right manner. Uh, we don't use it to the way God intended it to be used, and we slip back uh, from the original intention of why the Scripture was written. It's a constant reminder that our Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. And there is only one Savior, and that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And especially in this particular text, there's a constant emphasis on the superiority of our Lord. Our Lord being a great high priest, a better priest, a better prophet, a better king, the author of a better covenant. The old covenant was was tough in the sense that the law was over it and we cannot fulfill it in our flesh because we are weak and we cannot match to God's holiness. So we, knew we need a new covenant which is being introduced through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is perfect because we are not the author of it and we didn't write it because he brought salvation to us and we didn't bring it to ourselves. You know, he revealed it through himself. So we have a, a better high priest, a king, and a better prophet in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read a, a few verses just to dive into uh, why the author is kind of uh, drawing towards this particular uh, text. Especially in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, the author is comparing our Lord to the angels. He's higher than the angels. So I want to read a few verses that would kind of warm our hearts towards that particular point. Chapter 1 of Hebrews, verses 8, 9, and 13. I'll just read through it. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And verse 13 goes on to say, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? And the author is starting off in this particular context, you know, why our Lord is superior to the angels, uh, just as to you know, a starter. Uh, oftentimes we uh, do not really understand the, the, the most uh, intricate part of what our Lord is, who He is, and, and, and that we can depend on Him, we can trust on Him, and all is sufficient in Christ alone. Um, we, in the Christian world, in, in India, a lot of the so-called Catholics are uh, considered as Christians, and, and then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sect in India that kind of, uh, I don't know if it's there in the other parts of the world, but they, they like to worship the angels from the thought system. So, you know, we, we try to introduce the gospel through this particular text, but they, it's very hard for them to comprehend that, um, that our Lord is superior to the angels because they say, uh, you know, angels are bigger. You know, how can you know, a man who walked on the face of the earth uh, can be better than an angel? And uh, it's very difficult for them to comprehend that. Uh, but our Lord walked the face of the earth. He took on flesh. Um, uh, he took on the fullness in the sense that he, 
he was clothed in human flesh so that the purpose of what for dying for dying on the cross the angels probably couldn't have went up to the cross and died you know the lord has to step down uh, into humanity uh, you know make himself vulnerable in a sense uh, at bethlehem clothed in human flesh so he can live a life um, he can grow as a young child uh, fight the temptations which came across his life uh, live a righteous life so that ultimately uh, when it was time according to the father's will uh, he could lay down his life for the sake of humanity so our lord didn't become human being and he didn't lower himself but in a way he was uh, he made himself available so that he can sacrifice at the cross of Calvary so that we can be redeemed. It's not because he is lower than the angels. He has been given the authority to sit on the right hand of the Father, which is the greatest privilege ever. And one day we will be coerced with Christ. And that's the great opportunity that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they also struggle with the intention of how can a Messiah be killed? You know, Messiah is somebody who's revealed himself, uh, God's uh, promise uh, for, for salvation. But then, how can a Messiah be killed? And I have a few friends in India that, you know, Messiah is God himself. And they go with the traditional idea of, you know, he came, came to establish a physical kingdom over here. You know, they don't understand the fact that he came down to die for you and for me. And uh, the Lord had to do that. He had to take the form of a man uh, to live a perfect life to die uh, in a very shameful death at the cross at calvary so our lord took on flesh he lived on his earth to give himself as a sacrifice for all and especially i want to read first corinthians chapter 1 verse 23 because that's what that's what happens in our world also, you know, a lot of times the simplicity of the gospel is being lost. Uh, people want to complicate gospel and um, the way God made it for us is simple. And oftentimes we have to remind ourselves that uh, it is not our wisdom, but the wisdom of God which has been manifested at the cross of Calvary. And it is through His perfect idea that we have been given salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, because they always look for signs and wonders, and they want something fancy all the time. And our Lord gave that when He lived His earthly life here on earth. He, you know, he did all the miracles. He, he showed signs and wonders of the Messiah, but they always wanted their physical needs to be met. Uh, that's why the Lord constantly emphasized, you know, do not... Do not crave or strive hard for the things that will perish. But always focus on things which are of an eternal nature. So the Jews, you know, they always uh, wanted uh, the law. And then they couldn't understand the wisdom of God at the cross of Calvary. So Jews, a stumbling block and unto the Greeks, a foolishness. Because they always strived hard for wisdom. And they want everything to be reasoned out. Not much different from our world right now, you know. Uh, because people always, um, I mean, it's a good thing to read, but they read too much uh, into things that they confuse a lot. And one of the examples, uh, you know, my dad must have mentioned it somewhere, but then we we had a person 
um, that was in our church, and uh, he was a very uh, good reader. Uh, he read a lot of things, but then he read too much, and uh, in the sense that he always wanted to um, get answers uh, which would wrap around his brain, and he always wanted to make answers in which the God would be under his umbrella. Uh, some things we cannot really understand, and uh, we cannot figure answers for it, and, and the Bible keeps silence, uh, we ought to keep silence for those and not draw our lines and our uh, stories into the Bible. And, uh, and a very sadly, that person, you know, he read so much that um, he was not able to uh, grasp or just understand the simplicity of the gospel and, and took his life, which is a very sad state. And many years he, uh, he strived hard. Um, uh, to understand God and he wanted to in a way we I say this he wanted to kind of uh, make God on his side sideline you know he wanted to understand everything about God and uh, he couldn't do it so he pretty much uh, said this is not worth it um, I'll take my life which is a sad state of life uh, but verse 24 first Corinthians as we continue to read it says but unto them which are called both Jew and Greeks Christ the power of of God and wisdom of God, which is the foolishness of God, is wiser than the wisdom of man, right? And the weakness of God is stronger than man's wisdom. And uh, oftentimes we uh, like to make God uh, the showpiece and we like to figure out everything about God, but we can't do that. Uh, so we ought to do uh, things which are biblical. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth and not reading into God's word uh, so that we can satisfy our mental and intellectual ideas. So always trust in the Lord, depend on his word and uh, ask the Lord to reveal it to you and uh, he will reveal it to you through his word and the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher of all, uh, will help you to understand God's word much better. And as we read through this particular text in Hebrews, the whole concept about our Lord being uh, the superior high, high priest, you know, the author keeps on uh, claiming it. But then look at the religions of the East, and especially the, the nation that I'm from. You, know, you always find a, a God which has come to save righteous people. You know, there's no uh, God in our religions back at home uh, who has come to save sinners. Uh, but the whole purpose of our Lord Jesus Christ coming to this earth was to die. You know, his entrance into Bethlehem was to go to Calvary, uh, to make himself uh, a sacrificial lamb so that you and me can be redeemed unto himself. And that qualifies him to be a savior. And there's no greater qualification that we can find in a savior than our Lord Jesus Christ because he looked down from heaven and he saw our sinful condition and he figured out that nobody can restore themselves unto God's holiness and he in his mighty mercy will have to stoop down to this earth take the form of a man and, and go to the cross of Calvary to die for our sake so I want to draw attention to a few points I would kind of understand uh, and break down these verses. Um, so verses 9 of Hebrews 2, our initial text, Hebrews 2 verse 9, points to our, our Christ being the substitute. 
our Christ being the substitute. Verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now we read that particular verse, who was made a little lower than the angels. And oftentimes some of the, the cultic religions, you know, they say that Christ was made a little lower. Uh, he was formed or he was created. But the Lord is saying in all of eternity, our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, he existed all along. He was there for all of eternity. And he was there in the beginning and he will always be till the end. And he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And what the author is trying to explain is that he humbled himself uh, to take a human form so that he can taste death for our sake. And that was the only way, proper way, that God could reconcile us unto himself. He has to taste death for the sake of everyone. And he didn't taste death for the sake of some, but he tasted death for the sake of everyone. Christ died for all. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 15 goes on to say, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Our Lord died for our behalf. And uh, we commonly hear this, you know, if we are the only person here on earth, our Lord would still come down and die for you and for me. And if we were the only person who lived on the face of the earth, he would still come down. And uh, we cannot really fathom that kind of love. You know, little to say that oftentimes if we ask us to, uh, you know, die for somebody else, you know, we, would, we might die for our, our family and friends. I'm not, I'm not sure about friends, but then the family we would, uh, you know, we say that, you know, from the bottom of our heart. But then our Lord did that. And uh, I think it's a constant reminder each day that uh, it was our place that he took. Uh, and uh, we deserved it. And we are still deserving. Uh, but then till, through his mercy and grace, he was a substitute for us. And there was no other way other than uh, our Christ Jesus who can reconcile us unto himself. Read another verse in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 3. I'll just go on reading. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the like likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. You know, he had to appear in the form of man to take sin onto himself so that he can nail it to the cross, shed his blood, so that we can be reconciled unto the Father. And he went a, a step further. You know, he didn't just die uh, a death, but he died a very shameful uh, death. A death uh, in those times, that the time that he, you know, he picked up uh, in history time and it's, it's a death that, that's of an excruciating shameful nature and I think the Bible kind of points out that particular uh, nature of his death and the reason why he did that uh, because he loves us so much 
And I think Philippians chapter 2 kind of points us towards that. You know, he didn't just die, but he, he died a very shameful death. Uh, and he, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a cursed, uh, in, in a sense, that his death at the cross, you know, because he didn't have to do that. He could have just made a remedy uh, through his intellectualism. But then our Lord died a death which uh, had to show how much he loved us. And especially in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8 points to that. He says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient. The God of this universe, the Creator God, humbling himself, and becoming obedient, unto death and even the death of the cross now that is the kind of love our Lord Jesus Christ displayed at the cross of Calvary and no greater love that we can find but the love that Christ displayed at the cross now it breaks my heart oftentimes we as believers who've known uh, the love of Christ uh, we oftentimes like the Ephesian church we, we forget the first love in our in a busy walks of life, uh, we forget uh, what the Lord has done for us. And I think it's a constant reminder each day of our life uh, should should make our focus point to Calvary and what God has accomplished through His Son at the cross of Calvary. Should constantly drive our life uh, and, and the focus of our life to the cross of Calvary. Um, and it is the wisdom of God which has been displayed, not weakness. Moving on, uh, read verse 10. Uh, it goes on to say about uh, Christ as the Savior. Verse 10, it says, For it became him, I'm talking Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. In a way, Christ in his incarnation, uh, not to say that he was imperfect, our Lord was perfect in all the ways. Uh, if you look at his life, even his earthly life, he was perfect. And even one sin could have disqualified him to go to the cross of Calvary. Uh, but making himself in the human form, incarnating himself, um, he was able to understand us. And a savior needs to understand what he's saving, uh, his creatures. You know, we, we, he understood that because, especially because of his incarnation, because he walked the face of the earth, he understood what we go through, uh, what we are challenged with, and uh, he knew that what we struggle with. And unless our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, stepped down into humanity, incarnated, he wouldn't know. Uh, in, the, in the sense that he couldn't know uh, that we were able to understand that. Because in God himself, he knows what is happening, but he couldn't show us. He couldn't show us that we would understand that he is going through all of that. Uh, because oftentimes we, are, we know that God is all-knowing. Uh, he knows everything, he's omniscient, uh, but then it, it is good as human beings to understand that our Lord has gone through the same 
path that we struggle in our life. And as a high priest, he can sympathize with the things that we struggle in our life. So our Savior went through the things that we suffer here on earth. As a high priest, he knows what we suffer through. And uh, no greater Savior we can find but a God who is able to understand uh, what his creatures are going through. And in, through his incarnation, uh, the greatest purpose, he can die on the cross of Calvary. At the same time, he would be able to relate what we are going through. And we can be able to understand that our Savior knows uh, the affirmities, the problems of our lives. And verses 11 and 12 and 13 goes on to claim the fact that our Christ is the one who sanctifies. Uh, the sanctification is found only in our Lord. For verse 11 says, For both he that sanctifieth, which is our Lord, and they who are sanctified are all of one, the ones who are sanctified through our Lord Jesus Christ, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 11 goes on to say, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Now our Lord is the one who sanctifies us. Christ the sanctifier. He makes us righteous. He cleans us inside out. Uh, we are dead in our sins, but Christ brought us out. And he cleanses us inside out. When God rescues us, yeah, he comes to our heart. He makes a new creature inside out. Uh, we are a new creation in himself. And there is no greater hope that the new work that God will start in us, he will continue to the very last day. And Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 goes on to say, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It is once and for all sacrifice, not a sacrifice that you have to keep on doing like the Old Testament. Uh, you sacrifice, uh, put the blood again, again, again. It, does, it only covers the sin. It doesn't you know, remove the sin once and for all. But our Lord Jesus Christ, when he stepped down into humanity, he died on the cross of Calvary so that he can remove our sins once and for all. A death that has completely wiped off the sins of humanity once and for all. And the sanctification that we find in Christ is of an ultimate nature. It doesn't it's not something of a temporary nature. It's something which is of an eternal nature. God has sanctified us in Christ Jesus. And the righteousness that he clothes us with is of an eternal nature. I always wonder the life that we live. You know, when God looked at us, you know, how can he forget the sins in our life? Especially as if you're a believer, if you trust the Lord as your Savior. And you're made righteous through him. And, and the Christ will clothe you in his righteousness. How can God look at you and just you know, forget the sins of your life? And, and that's the greatest work that our Lord has done. He sanctified us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's clothed us with the robe of righteousness. Because of which we can come before him 
boldly and calling on our Father. Because we have a hope, we have a greater hope, which is found in heaven. And uh, it's only through the finished work at the cross that we can boldly come before Him. And not only will we come before Him, you know, as the Lord has, has made us His brethren. I think it's very interesting as we read that particular verse, verse 11, it says, He is not ashamed to call them brethren. If you look at, uh, if you read through the gospel according to Matthew, you sort of understand the Lord always addressed the people as disciples or friends. He never really addressed them as brethren. I think the moment that the Lord uh, came out of the tomb and then uh, he met Mary, he said, go tell it to my brethren. Uh, and I tell it to them that I'm coming to Galilee. And uh, I, th I think you, you can see the, the change there. You know, you're no more just a friend. You know, you, you've been called as a brethren into the family of Christ. Uh, you've been invited and you've been called into the family of God. And uh, one day you will be co-heir with Christ. Uh, you're going to be joined along with Him. Uh, and uh, you would live a life uh, which is based on God's word. And that will be because God has called you and sanctified you through his son, Jesus Christ. And Romans 8, 17 um, kind of points to the fact that we are joined heirs with Christ. And one day we will be, um, if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and God. So Christ as your sanctifier, and he sanctified to the extent of calling us a brethren, uh, because he's given us uh, a new life. He's given us uh, a new hope. He's given us eternal life in Jesus Christ. And one day we will be along with Him uh, as we move towards eternity. And what a glorious day that will be, where there will be no pain and suffering. And uh, a day that we would, uh, oftentimes we don't want to think about death, but then a day that we should always crave for as a Christian. And uh, how much do we think about that? Uh, a lot of times, we death is a reminder. It reminds us about the things which are yet to come. But then, how much do we crave for death? We don't really crave for death. You know, as a doctor, you know, in, uh, in the medical field, you just want to help patients, and you try to describe, you know, give medications and all that stuff. It's good. Um, it keeps you here for a while. But then, uh, ultimately, do you have that peace uh, that one day you will spend? along with our Lord in all of eternity, because He has sanctified you and He has made you join us with Christ. Verses 14 and 15 goes on to talk about Christ being the conqueror. It says in verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And it's, it's, it's very important to see our, our Lord conquered death. And he, he's, he's not there in the tomb anymore. You know, not only did he defeat uh, sin and demons and devils, but he conquered death as well. And as you all know, if you read through Romans, uh, that death is because of the sin, you know, 
In Romans 5.12 talks about, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because of sin, death has entered the world. And it is because of that, the consequence, that we will one day die. But then there is hope, because our Lord has conquered death. And uh, He's going to give us eternal life. And uh, if you have received Him, you're actually possessing it. You're possessing eternal life if you have actually accepted the Lord as your Savior. Because the wages of sin is death. And uh, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Romans 6.23 says. So our Lord has defeated death. And uh, we can trust in Him because one day, uh, even though we might perish from this world, uh, in this fleshly body, uh, we would still have an eternal hope. And uh, if the Lord comes back and you're alive, you'll be immediately transformed in a glorified state. But then uh, if you're you know, dead and, and gone past, you know, he's going to raise the saints and then reunite it with the glorified body. And we will be like him in glory. And that's a glorious hope that we have in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the last three verses talks about, I think one of the favorite things, as a human being, I think about this. Verses 16 to 18, it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ as a sympathizer. Verse 16 goes on to say, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. In things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself, verse 18 says, That suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. And our Lord, when he lived on this earth, uh, he endured the things as human beings as would. You know, he endured different sorts of emotions that we would have. Uh, he was hungry. Uh, he wept. Uh, he had heartache. He was moved by compassion when he saw the multitude. Uh, our Lord has, a, uh, has the same feelings, if you will, as we as human beings would. And uh, he knows exactly what we go through in our lives. And unless we have a Savior and we have a, a God who would understand what exactly we go through, it's difficult for us to correlate with him. Uh, and we can be always glad that we do have a God. You know, he walked in flesh, uh, who understood the things that we uh, were tempted in. And I think it's very important to see the temptations of Christ. You know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, especially in First John. It kind of points to the very nature of the, how the devil would come and tempt the Lord. And he was tempted with those three categories, which are most commonly uh, attacked if you're a Christian. Uh, and the things that a lot of people fall into. And how the Lord graciously and tremendously overcame uh, so that he can succor, he can uh, come and aid for us when we are tempted similarly. And it's not an easy world that we live in um, because uh, temptations are everywhere and uh, temptations come in different formats, in different games of life. And uh, it, is, it, is, it is 
absolutely important that we trust in a God, our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has walked exactly through all of that, and he's endured it. And uh, he's endured it to the fact that he's overcome every single one of them. Um, and he very carefully lived it. You know, it's very, it's, I don't think it's very easy to live a life, even as a Christian, in this world, day and age, uh, things are very difficult. Each day we have to guard ourselves, and, you know, and, uh, and our Lord lived a very careful life uh, because his sole purpose to be born was to die. And uh, he was very careful that he lived his life here on earth that, had, that the devil couldn't point in any way uh, so that he could go to the cross of Calvary and be our sanctifier and our conqueror and our sympathizer and our substitute and most importantly our savior because we do have a God who's gone through all of that and can still sympathize with us because he's a sympathetic great high priest and uh, no greater joy that we have in our life but to trust in a God who at all points were tempted like we were but yet without sin you know the Lord, the Lord was able to uh, push through it in humanly speaking that uh, things were uh, I'm sure things were difficult in the time that he lived as well and uh, sin in different formats must have come to his life uh, even growing up uh, but the Lord uh, endured it uh, so that he can accomplish his father's will at the cross of Calvary which was the main purpose that he came so that he can redeem me you and the rest of the world who trust and, and, and place their faith in the finished work of the cross. That's the kind of savior we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 in closing. Uh, just an encouragement. Um, and It's been an encouragement for me even in my Christian walk. That always I can depend on a God who knows me and who knows what I go through in my life. And I, I believe that God will challenge you as well and encourage you through that particular verse. Very common verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You know, he was tempted at all points, but yet without sin. So that he can die on the cross for our sins. He can save us through his precious blood, which was shed at the cross of Calvary. And if you place your trust in him, you can have eternal life, which is so fr free and richly given in Christ Jesus. Mm. Salvation is a, is a simple a simple gospel can be. Salvation is very simple. We don't need to complicate it. And only if you can read through God's word and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand God's word, can you understand the simplicity of the gospel. You don't need to complicate it. It's plain and simple. And in Jesus Christ, we have a perfect substitute who died on our behalf. We have a perfect Savior. We have a whole sanctifier. And we have a conqueror that has conquered death. And we do have a very sympathetic high priest uh, who were tempted in all points, but yet without sin. So as a Christian, I want to encourage you, uh, trust in the Lord, because our Lord... Um, 
is in itself complete. And oftentimes in our Christian walk, um, we would want to um, go uh, for help in other things uh, that biblically speaking that a lot of times we don't really understand the sufficiency of Christ and uh, and Christ is all and that's all that you really need in life and, and the resolution and the, and the solutions for all your problems are found in the scripture and only if we can familiarize ourselves with the scriptures can we know where the Lord can speak through us oftentimes we want to open up our Bible and today I have a problem in my life I want to open up the scriptures read a verse it doesn't really happen that way of course God can does you know he does certain things uh, in his mighty mercy but then if you earnestly ask the Lord and, and trust and depend on him and, and ask him to reveal himself through his word and uh, the Holy Spirit will reveal and um, who his son is and the sufficiency that you all need in your life is found in Christ and not anywhere else and if you're hearing the gospel and you must have heard it so many times and if you're not really understood uh, you know what the Lord has done for you at the cross um, I want to challenge you tonight uh, you know we all have sinned we all have sinned there's nothing righteous within ourselves because the Bible says in Romans all have sinned and come short of the glory of God there's no nobody who's righteous in your merit you cannot be equal with God's holiness and you needed a sacrifice and God himself stepped down in human history took on a form of a man and lived a very um, sinless life so that all the way in his earthly life so that at the cross he can pay for your sins the perfect sacrifice the perfect lamb that could be slain uh, for you and me and that his righteousness can be accounted for you and he will look at you as though you have never sinned. That's the beauty of the gospel. And it just it just amazes me how that, how, how that, I think that's a problem with a lot of Christians because they really want to find the answer and want to wrap around God's uh, you know, providence and how God really works. But then that's the beauty of the gospel. And uh, he looks at us as though we have never sinned because of what Christ has accomplished at the cross of Calvary. So, and as a Christian, if you're believing in the Lord, uh, let that thought guard you in your life. Uh, you have to constantly remind yourself as a human being, uh, things are not easy, things are difficult in our life, and we need to constantly remind ourselves we do have a high priest uh, who knows us, and he knows exactly what we go through in our life. And it's always better for us to depend on him, trust on him, and seek his gui guidance and counsel through his word so that he can enable us to walk this life uh, in, a, in a better fashion and walk close to him that's ultimately the name of christ might be glorified and magnified let's close in in prayer gracious heavenly father lord we thank you for the opportunity to uh, listen to your word thank you that your word is life your word has the power to change lives and it is uh, sharper than any double-edged sword, Lord. And uh, it has the power to penetrate our hearts and minds. And it's because of your word that that we can understand and learn much about you, Lord. And Father, as, as you've spoke to us uh, tonight, Lord, I pray that uh, we find ourselves complete and whole in Jesus Christ. 
and uh, we don't need to search anywhere else but uh, your word and if you diligently search your word um, the, the full nature of Christ and who you are and the fact that you're sufficient for our life and that hope that we can have in you can be found through the scriptures and Lord I pray that as we um, live our lives here on earth Lord as Christians I pray that you might enable us to trust in you, depend on you, rely on you, and know that we have a high priest um, who was tempted at all points like we were, Lord, but yet without a sin because he lived a very careful life, Lord. And uh, it might encourage us to walk a life uh, which is pleasing unto you, and uh, we can always turn to you, Lord. Uh, there's no greater hope than the hope which is found in Jesus Christ. And we don't need to fight this battle alone. But we can fight because uh, we have a God who will enable us and strengthen us. And uh, uh, will help us to go through uh, the difficulties and problems and issues of our life. Even as a Christian. Um, because you care for us and you know what we go through. And it is only by your grace and mercy that who we are, Lord. And I pray that you might continue to um, shine um, this good news of the gospel in our lives, Lord, and that you might enable us, strengthen us, and that wherever we go, Lord, whatever vocations of life that we are in, Lord, that we might be able to exemplify uh, the love of Christ and might draw more people uh, to saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you again. I pray for the rest of the week. Help us to stay focused on you, depend on you, and know that we have a God who uh, not only created us, uh, but he sustains us. And he was willing uh, to step down to save us from eternal damnation. And praise you and give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen.